0: Hi, you're listening to Ember Island Airwaves I'm Soren Howe and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield um, I know we we weren't around last week uh, That was my fault um, I was out of the country But uh, that means we get to do two episodes this week In the same amount of time So,
1: <laughs> woohoo!
0: Um, so my uh, uh, This week we're going to be covering The Battle of Fu And Reunion, which are the two latest episodes Of The Legend of Korra um, So first we'll start with the Battle of Fu, which, uh, went a little differently than I thought it would, I have to say. Um, yeah, was, yeah. was this what you were expecting?
1: Um, yeah, it was not. It was not, uh, <laughs> well, when you, when you read the title, Battle Battle of Fu. a couple weeks ago we were talking about something like having an entire episode that is just the siege of the city, uh, very Game of Thrones kind of thing. Um, And when I saw the title, that's what I thought it would be, but it's not. The battle is a one-on-one duel between Kuvira and Korra, and once it's over, the battle is declared over. (laughs) It's an interesting way to frame that kind of... uh, the battle to, to conquer a city, which usually is literally marching on a city and attacking it with your forces, and that just doesn't happen here. They surrender as soon as Korra is out for the count. Um, this well, episode... of course, the, of course, the irony is
0: that there is no battle to take. I mean, there's the fight, but then the city doesn't put up any fight
1: when uh, Kuvira marches in at the end. That's true. It, I guess it's it's weird to call it the Battle of Zaofu because really, it's I guess it is the the two of them are dueling for control of oh. Zaofu, so it is I guess technically accurate. But you're right; it is they, they send Korra as their, I guess the representative, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. This episode, I I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. Um, We've talked in the past about my feelings so far about this season. And I didn't really like this episode. Really? I just... Well, to start with my biggest problem. The Kuvira and Korra fight is really bad. It's really really bad. Really? It is the exact same uh, fight choreography beat over and over again for the entire length of the episode. It's, you know, Korra shoots some air at her, and she dodges, and then she throws some metal onto Korra's wrists and lifts her in the air and throws her on the ground. That happens about six times. Over and over, until Suyin <laughs> shouts at her to go into the Avatar state at the very end. And it's it's really disappointing, because the fights on this show are usually so innovative, and that's one of the things I love about the show, is they constantly find ways to change up what uh, the fighting uh, means and the way that the fighting can be done with the different kinds of bending and the different personalities of people kind of coming through, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And uh, that's definitely... Well, you know,
0: know, it's funny that you say that. I actually just read something about this and I hadn't even thought about it. The first time we meet Kuvira is in the... um, when she's... she's a dancer, right? She's in Suyin's dance company? Yeah. And the way she fights is... I I didn't even think about this, really, because... um, but it's it's reminiscent of that same sort of. Uh, she almost dances when she fights with Korra, you know. And I, I don't know. I thought I thought it. I, I enjoyed this this fight, uh, and I thought it was particularly cool because um, this is kind of a huge thing that we see f- uh, Phantom Korra again.
1: Oh, that yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> with two episodes, I completely forgot about this. <laughs> this actually made me really happy. Yeah,
0: it's a huge it's a huge deal because I had talked about how I was kind of disappointed. It was just. We saw the metal um, taken out of her body uh, in a couple episodes ago, and now we see that it wasn't just that, which is what we were hoping. Or at least I, I think we were both hoping that it wasn't just the venom of the Red Lotus, but it was psychological, emotional, whatever. She had other things going on, and it turns out that that's the case because there
1: is no metal left in her. Exactly, yeah. I'm very curious to see what, what this is going forward, and I wonder if... Hmm. Yeah, so in the past, obviously, it's been a kind of guiding force uh, telling her where to go or not to go in order to spiritually uh, heal or, or repair herself in whatever way, but um, that doesn't seem to be the function here, mm-hmm. and I feel like, based on what we have seen of it already, it, it seems like the, uh, the Phantom Corps is telling her not to kill Kuvira. Is telling her to, to like leave Kuvira alone. So it's it, that, that doesn't. That's interesting. It? That's interesting that you say that because for me it wasn't. To me it was just like
0: the the fight. Um, this is a parallel fight to the one she has in the little Earthbending arena, where it's not. It's not. Don't hurt this Earthbender that you're fighting. It's just getting in the way uh, of what she's doing, and maybe telling her she needs to go somewhere else, which she does. Um, but maybe that's what it's saying here. It's not. Has nothing to do with Kuvira. But more, this isn't where you should be right now. You should be somewhere else in the world. Or, simply, it's just an impediment to her completing what she's trying to do because she still has unresolved issues. But whatever it is, I don't think it's about Kavira specifically. More about, she should be dealing with, say, um, maybe she should be going to look for Bolin, or maybe she's not quite ready yet, and the Phantom Korra apparition is telling her that she should not be... Doing what she's doing at that moment, like she's in the wrong place.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think you know that that feeds into what I'm saying as well. And it, it, what I think we maybe we have to do is is look back at the other fights that she's had with Phantom Cora. So there's the one in the ring, there's mm-hmm. the one in the swamp, and now there's this brief brief kind of moment, not really a fight, but it's in, intruding on a fight in a similar way. Right. Um, so at first, it we've seen that it takes the form. It, she sees another person as the Phantom Korra who she's fighting. Right. A real person. Uh, but, you know, there isn't, like, there's an actual person there and, and in the swamp, it's... It seems like there wasn't. but there Exactly, was. it's vague, but that that's the swamp. You know, you have right. visions and it seem, it's totally, I think, plausible that that's just... Maybe whatever this is, is given some kind of extra uh, f- faculties because of the spiritual power of the swamp. I think we've we we're, we're, we're pretty sure that this is a spirit thing, right? And that maybe it's an a spirit, but it is a spirit F related thing.
0: That's that's my assumption. I mean, it certainly um it's it's it seems like something that would that's related to Rava or something like that, only because uh we've seen little hints of that throughout and certainly the avatar state is directly linked to that whole mythology. So, I think the spirit assumption makes sense, especially since the swamp has a lot of spirit things going on. Um, but, but again, I, I like I said, I would compare this specifically to the fight she has in the earthbending arena because it's very similar where she's fighting a real person and uh, then sees Phantom Core's face on the person she's fighting.
1: It's a very strange, and I wonder... Well, I...
0: It's So hard to know where they're going with any of this <laughs>
1: exactly, and that's that's one of the that's why i'm a little one of the reasons I'm uncertain about this season going forward is that we're now in the well we're about to be not in our discussion, but <laughs> right we're we're going into the back half of the final season, and yeah, I still have just no idea where they're going, and I'm you know fingers crossed for an amazing finale that ties everything together, but I can't help the feeling that some of this is just them kind of spinning their wheels, really. Uh, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, wow. and, and I know you've been really enjoying this season, and I, I think that's I think that's interesting. And I see definitely what there is to enjoy. I've I've liked a lot of it too. Yeah. No. I don't. Um. I ag- I agree. I just
0: have faith based on what I've seen that there seems to be so many callbacks and parallels, and that are really subtle. That I am giving them the benefit of the doubt on things like this, where I can see Phantom Core in one episode and then not see Phantom Core pop up again for a while, with the assumption that we're going to get the Payoff now, yeah, I'm yeah. sure they're again. not going to just forget about it. Right? You know? No, I'm sure. But like, ask me again at the end of this series, and I'll tell you if, if any of that <laughs> worked. But I think right now they've done enough cool stuff. I mean, even something as simple as Asami and um, and her father getting back together, as we saw in uh, the last episode, is enough for me to. Uh, it's just. It's a really good. I think it's a good way to bring back, say, season one into. Um, season four, and so little things like little parallels with, uh, or even just you know, I like the the fact that we saw the uh, Banyan Grove tree again, and we saw Toph, and and all these things that connect back to even the first series in a really interesting and, and new sort of way. So I'm for now, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I didn't love this episode, to be fair, and I didn't actually I didn't love the next episode either. Um, but although I did, I will say what I did really like. Uh, in this episode was first we see Yin and the, the episode opens with Yin trying to take Kubira out and it goes terribly and they get captured. Uh, and by the way, just closing off this fight, um, it, it was sad at the end of the fight, you know, seeing Yin and Opal and that split uh, where she has to sort of
1: leave her mom behind. I enjoyed that. It, it calls back to the the great moments in avatar the last airbender where the kid heroes would lose horribly yeah and they'd have to you know basic you know retreat in shame having lost you know a huge amount or like uh, jet yeah like jet for sure or yeah exactly and or um the day of black sun too that's what i always that's what i always go back to that's such a
0: depressing well you know but okay so now think about that think about that season and think about the day of black sun that doesn't go well at all um I mean, that's an amazing sort of sequence of events that happens in those episodes. Or, I think it's two episodes, right?
1: I think it's a double episode, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, at that point, you really have no idea where they're going to go with it, because you're like, well, we lo- you missed the eclipse and so is the comet is coming, so how are you going to... How is the season going to work? So I imagine if we were doing this podcast, I'm speculating here, but that we might have also had the same question midway through season three of The Last Airbender, so... I'm, again, I'm still willing to give a benefit of the doubt, and it seems like they're hitting a lot of the same sort of beats in terms of, you know, it's meandering in that it's trying to figure out where it's going, but I, I think it makes sense. And we'll get payoffs before the season
1: ends. Yeah, but I think the difference is um, if you look at the structures of the individual episodes, whereas if you, if you take a, a Last Airbender episode as just a single one, right. there's a complete... Arc. Arc. Yeah. Within that, and it fits into a larger arc of the season. Sometimes. Or the, or the mini arcs within the seasons. Normally, I think. Sometimes, were like,
0: but I could see you complaining about. I mean, it was a great episode, but I can see you complaining about um, Sokka's Master or. Um, I like Sokka's Master, but no, maybe. No, of course. Yes. Of course, yeah, but yeah. I mean. You're like if if we were in this conversation, then we might have been like, "Why are we introducing Saka as a swordsman now at this point?" Like it seems like a weird thing to do. Is there going to be a payoff in the finale? And it turns out there is,
1: but <laughs> mm. we might not have known that. And so it's that sort of yeah. It's, it, you, there's a lot of things you just kind of have to look back on with hindsight. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't. And that's, you, this you get the picture. that's this whole show. That's this whole show. The whole but, series. Really. Uh, what I think is, which okay. is why
0: binge watching makes sense.
1: Exactly. Well, that's what we've been saying forever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what binge watchings perfect for this show. Yeah. Um, so the difference, if you look at Korra, is and especially this season. Uh, this has been, I think, a theme throughout the entire run of the series, but especially this season, you'll get a you know a half hour episode where one thing happens. Though if you so if you look at the Battle of Zaofu, and like what and I, I hate to like you know uh, no. uh, harp on this kind of very uh, dorky narrative structure stuff because, you know, it's. I feel like you, yeah, that can devolve into just, uh, you know, circular stu- <laughs> nonsense. But right. if you look at the Battle of Zaofu, you know, Kuvira and Korra fight for a long time. Right. And Korra loses and they leave. And I feel like... <laughs> this episode and maybe i think what it what it comes down to maybe is that because this is the final season of the show you expect the you expect there to be a lot more you know and especially by this point in the final season
0: i guess i don't know it's just it's halfway through and you know she's a new villain that they've only just introduced so i don't to me it's they're just playing it just like they played every other season you know where um midway through the season there's maybe a conflict or they encounter the villain and uh, the good guys encounter the villain and lose um i think the problem with this episode honestly is more that it feels they stretch out the battle which is probably pretty short like if they just showed it all together with this whole other plot line which to me was way more interesting and more fun with um uh with Bolin and oh yeah this was that was great that was great and it was fun and you know um like, you see it coming, but it's still fun. And I like their dynamic as compared with Julie and, and Vark And and I think what's... The problem, is, or what's weird about this episode is it, it tries to... Um, I don't know if it's doing a parallel. I don't think it is. I think it's just you need to get both of these things in and they don't fit together. So we're just going to intersplice them. And so they keep cutting back to this fight, which you're like... You can't get any momentum in or investment in because they keep cutting away and back to it. You know, between this other crazy caper uh and so it's just it comes across as weird and it's not as interesting as what's going on with Bolin which I don't think you know again I
1: never thought I'd say but um <laughs> yeah right ever <laughs> but his stupidity was played so well in this episode it was every single takes, time
0: but he takes agency he tries to help people he doesn't you know it's interesting like what he's what he wants to do um well oh, especially in next episode I I shouldn't
1: I shouldn't jump ahead but you know he's they're I, I can't believe they're doing something with his character at this point Every single time Varric looks at him and is like, Trust me, I know what I'm doing and like does the huge oh, yeah. <laughs> obvious wink and it cuts to Bolin like, Whoa <laughs> Yeah I laughed so hard. Because it happens like three or four times mm-hmm. that <laughs> and then Bolin still doesn't get it. And you said, um you saw it coming, but the reason I think that it works so well, this like part of the episode mm. is that it's still a surprise. It manages to be so obvious, and it plays on the fact. It makes you laugh at Bolin for not getting it, mm-hmm. but then it twists it around because Var- when Varric's like, "Oh no, we're gonna blow up!" Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was. That's that's another hilarious line. Yeah, right, because cause,
0: because you know what you know that he has a plan, right? Right, and they yeah, you said, think the plan a is thing. to
1: escape, and he does a little wink and like, yeah. Oh, so we're, you and Varric
0: are on the same side, and then Bolin's the one who's out of the loop.
1: Exactly, right. it, it it completely shifts your perspective just right. instantly. That that's a. And it, yeah, it's funny. I, I've never. I, I like Bolin and Varric, but they've never been my favorite part of an episode. Yeah. But they were my favorite part of this episode. And yeah, there are. Sure. Well, they're been been favorite on part them. of
0: this season, I think. Not Bolin necessarily. He's gotten better over time. But Varric and Julie, certainly, I liked their roles so far.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I might be inclined to agree with you there, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. It's just if I could think of one thing to juxtapose that with, it wouldn't be a fight between Korra and Kavira so that was just weird i don't know
1: that's the structure of the season playing in maybe because in terms of uh, parallel action like well the f- the fight with core and Kubira is happening at the same time as this and we can't it- it's hard to like jump ahead or bat or, or hold no right back. i know that and they're they're stuck no no and like... i think that's where the, that's where that problem comes in from a writing or directing perspective is like well we have to make this happen but it's awkward to cut between but we don't really have a choice
0: right, right. They don't have a, well again but I don't believe that because if you have if you're making the show you're writing it you have full control over it you can do you can do whatever you want so I don't, know. <laughs> I, don't I don't that's not a, a legitimate excuse in my opinion but um but again I think the episode worked fine I the the Varric and Bolin stuff balanced out the less interesting Kuvira-Korra fight which was again fine and there was a major revelation that I that sort of balanced it all out for me um uh, with the Phantom Korra reappearing uh, So for me that was enough um, And then we get that, that small little bit At the end where Batar Jr Who is an engineer, I believe uh, I guess so, yeah He says, because they, cause they had talked about them in the last season That he was following his father's footsteps Or whatever they were doing And, um, and then uh, we see Julie Who we're still not sure if she's good or bad But I think there's I think it's pretty clear that she's probably going to do something In aid of the Avatar at some point
1: yeah well I mean the the first thing that when she surrenders herself to Kuvira, and the first thing Kuvira does is like, all right, I need you to be bait in case someone tries to assassinate me yep, yep. Like, yep. That, that happens the, a couple hours later like if that were Julie, I would not be thrilled about that exactly and and
0: it, and now she's gonna have to be the assistant to yet another guy you know instead of she knows everything she's she's got the uh, you know the equivalents of like a, a PhD in the subject she could probably build the laser herself. You know, and Batar Jr.'s like, no, 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 I got it. It's fine. I looked and watched him very closely. I'm like, yeah, but Julie watched him closely for, like, years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think she'd probably be more qualified, but somehow he's, she's still going to end up being his assistant to help figure this out. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I think she's probably not going to love that. And, you know, there's prece- there's a lot of precedent from the whole franchise of good guys turning, or bad guys turning good, especially um, what comes to my mind most immediately is um, Tylee and May, who totally uh, turn the table on Azula when they get sick of serving her, which I realize is a very similar sort of arc. Yeah, as hmm. compared with you know Varric. and so if so if uh, Julie does the same thing to um to to Kavira, I will I won't be terribly surprised.
1: Yeah, I, that's what I've been expecting since since she did that turn on Verrick, so right right and well and the other thing too is i don't know
0: the other thing that we don't know is that Verrick's always been sort of neutral and sort of shifted towards good
1: recently although he's certainly done bad things in the past he's he's talked about i think it was in the previous episode about how his conscience is yes. emerging for some reason
0: yeah and that was great but but it's julie we don't know anything about we don't know if she's like we haven't been shown that she's you know, ever feels guilty about the things they do. Maybe she's a lot more cutthroat than Varric. We don't know. Maybe she doesn't care if they blow up um, Fu because she has she's more interested in science. Maybe she's even more of a you know pragmatic scientist than Varric ever was. We don't know. We have really we have no information really about it other than
1: that she doesn't like Varric. Yeah, they've always both been you know as a pair operated as as neutral characters. But it's it would be really cool if now that Varric is. Shifting more towards good, in right. turn, she shifts more towards bad, and she's working with the bad guy now. So, exactly,
0: I... and that could be fun. That could be a fun thing, and maybe she never shifts back, and we just see this. Uh, at first, it would it would challenge your assumption that she was really good, a double agent. Uh, and also, it would be cool just to see Varric and, and Julie, who both have very strong knowledge of you know the science um, of all of these all of this machinery, to go at it, and maybe they'll meet on the battlefield or behind the scenes. And, you know, try to outsmart each other. And I have a feeling, Julie, while Varric is very smart, Julie might come out on top just because she's, like I said, even more pragmatic. So, but I guess it remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, So next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along like a train.
1: So uh, Um, this was a great episode from season one of Legend of Korra. And the other half of the episode was a great episode from, let's say, season two of The Last Airbender. Uh, I don't know why this is in season four of the Legend of Korra.
0: <laughs> wow, interesting. That was an interesting analysis. You've been waiting to say that, haven't
1: you? I have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, you want to explain that?
1: Well, I, I think uh, to, to the first part. Um, the first part. This is very deliberately a callback to season one of Legend of Korra, in terms of Korra and Mako and Asami working together, and they're speeding through the streets of Republic City trying to, you know, look for the, these kind of lower level thugs and do something or whatever and that's the way that the that story is supposed to function is it's supposed to get these three back together and kind of reignite their friendship and get that dynamic Mm -hmm. really going again and that's fine did it ever go
0: in the first place (laughs) well i mean (laughs) what dynamic
1: (laughs) that's that's that's, well between Korra and Mako I think that's fair. <laughs> right yeah. Um Cora and Asami at least had, a, had an interesting thing. They friendship. did,
0: but it was already established. And like that's they'd true. already been writing each other letters. So it's more like this just seems it seems like something that might happen in like like just you might expect it to happen in general, but it, um it's sort of like it's 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 the kind of thing I shunt I shunt away to um let's see. Uh like, bathrooms, you know what I mean? Like, you assume characters go to the bathroom, you don't have to see it, you just assume that's what happens. Like, you don't mm. have to see them breathing, because they breathe, we know, otherwise they'd be dead. You know, so, like, this yeah, is yeah. this is something that would happen off-screen, and we can just assume that they did, because it's not... So, but spending a whole episode on it seems weird. Um, not to mention, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened in this episode where I was like... Well, really, one big thing. Um, the spirit vines... First, I like the spirit vines. I like that they, she uses the spirit vines the same way she uses it in the swamp. That was cool. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is that she's able to put her hand on the train station floor and somehow figure out what train Wu is on. That makes no sense. I was really, I was like, you've pushed that beyond its <laughs> value. That makes zero sense at all. Now, if she had done something that, like, for example, Janora is able to figure out where people are based on their spiritual energy or whatever, um, but she has to meditate or whatever, you can't just put your hand on the ground and figure out where things are. It seems insane. It doesn't fit at all, and it doesn't make any sense with what we've seen. All we've seen is that the spirit vines are really literally connected, so you could figure out where things are, but the ground doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, it's true. And maybe it's her special, you know, super avatar power, but it, you're right, it's not consistent with it's, it's, war, Toph what had, we've seen so far.
0: If Toph had just taught her how to use seismic sense or something, it would make sense. Oh my
1: god, that would have been awesome.
0: It would have made so much more sense, uh, one, because seismic sense the vibrations in general, just for the Earth, but everything's made of metal there, so she can already metal bend, so it's like a logical progression. She would able, be able to do that, because it's the one thing she doesn't know how to do. Um, and so that would be, I don't know, I, that would have made sense to me, but the divine thing. I was like, why are you using it now? It doesn't make any sense. And it was really, it was literally just so they could move the plot forward. So they could like come up with a way for them to figure out where Wu was.
1: Yeah, they were kind of backed into a corner. Yeah. Uh, the The extraneous... Stuff that you were talking about a, a, minute, a minute ago is uh, shoe leather. Is what they, shoe they called it. Shoe leather. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, I believe the reason they called it that is because back in the day that was the, you know, the, the celluloid that you clipped off because it was unnecessary, and that would you know, that's what you would do with it. Oh. Okay. It would go to be made into shoe leather. I oh, think okay. I think. Um. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it and is. And that's exactly oh, that's exactly yeah. what it refers to. It's like
0: inter- interstitial ma- material that just doesn't. Exactly. You don't need seen? to see
1: a character yeah. get out of the car and walk to the building and get in the push the elevator button and all unless, that stuff. You can just cut to has, them in a room.
0: Unless that has meaning. Exactly.
1: Meaning. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no uh, there's no like n- there's there's no necessity, right? So you're right. This is an entire episode of like uh, other than and yeah, even the uh, even the Prince Wu stuff is sorted. Like if you cut this episode out of the season, what happens in that storyline? If you cut that storyline out of this episode, what happens in that storyline?
0: Literally, they could have just dropped him off at their parents' house.
1: Yeah, you could have. You, oh, they're, they're <laughs> you really could house.
0: have. There was there was no need for, at Asami's place where their grandparents are living, uh, or grandmother, there's no reason for this whole chase scene or whatever. And it, it's supposed to, like, bond them or whatever. But all yeah, it is yeah, is Korra yeah, yeah. going, no, 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 go this way. No, 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 go this way. No, I know the streets better than you. That's Asami. You know, but that's, that's it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't no, see like, any connection. reason. Well, the the problem is that there's no reason why, if you're gonna resolve these friendship issues within the space of an episode, there's no reason why you even need to do it at all. Just have them meet each other and they're friends. Yeah, and just ignore the past. You
0: know what I mean? Where it's like, but simply by saying it's been three years, that's enough for me as a viewer to accept that they've at least can be ami you know, amicable with each other. Um, yeah. There's no need for the a whole episode about them. The only thing that it does is, quite simply, one, it shows that the spirit vines can be used, uh, which is then called back at the end of the episode, I guess. Um, you know, that they're similar to the spirit vines in the swamp. And the other thing it says is that Kuvira's agents really are waiting for an opening to do something with Wu. But then the other thing is, why does
1: Kuvira care about Wu at all? Yeah, like that she's was...
0: Like, she's already made him irrelevant, so
1: why? Exactly. I, that's what I, I, I don't get. Exactly. You know, she deposed Wu literally just by saying that she did. Like She didn't have to do anything. Nobody cared. She didn't, like, attack him. Yeah, yeah. They were waiting for the everyone was waiting for the opportunity for her to say it. You get get that impression like nobody was on board with this Wu thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't I really do think that it was just and I don't want to use the word filler because especially when you're talking about a show in this universe that is not a you know an implicitly negative word because they're great filler quote unquote episodes right, yeah, of the yeah, last holder totally. like we were just saying Saka's master that's a great example no but
0: like, half of this episode is is filler
1: for sure exactly and it's not and th- this is what I was getting at earlier you're halfway through the final season of your show why are you doing f- f- so much filler
0: well and why? so that's that's what I'm saying is I don't think here it's I think here your argument makes sense. I don't know about the last episode, but this makes sense to me. The Thank last you.
1: episode is different because I think even though it is a very small plot beat, at least something has it's changed forward. by yeah, the end yeah. of the episode. Exactly, yeah, it moves something forward, whereas in this episode, like, what? Well, even the argument
0: the argument is simply that I think the creators would argue, yeah, well, it all had to happen so that they had to come up with a way, reason for him to go stay in the safe house, but they could have just had a conversation at you, dinner. The
1: opening scene of this episode could have been them... At Mako's house, saying, "Hey Wu, you're gonna stay here for a little while." Right, that's three seconds. That's that's oh.
0: three seconds. Or they could have, at the when they all got together for food, they could have said, you know, like Asami could have said, "Hey, you can come in." You know, your family's already staying at my house. Why not have Prince Wu come there? It's a safe house, so we can use that. And then, boom,
1: that's done. Yeah, I don't. And this is this is the kind of thing that makes me <laughs> worried about, uh, or a little wary, at least about the the back the final episodes that we're heading into Mm. because if at this point in the season like they felt the need to do this like you think that that might lead to like well I feel like relationship things later on well no I'm worried that it says something about what they have you know of what they have waiting for us in these final five episodes I think because if the you know halfway point of the season is marked not by the a forward plot and movement but by filler then does that mean maybe that they aren't they weren't confident when they were breaking this season down that they had enough story to fill all of these episodes mm. because it it kind doesn't it kind of feel like that especially when you have but then these...
0: this but then that this is it though this is the this is the part where they're sort of bridging their two huge have. hopefully hopefully you know what i mean
1: yeah i guess we'll see hopefully
0: so we'll see in the next episode or two i would give it two episodes and if it's really not moving forward then i'll be concerned but i think one episode isn't a big deal um i guess you know i it, it guess it, like i said it remains to be seen um i will say that i don't understand how two episodes can make me care so much more about Bullen and
1: in Veric, though, because we get yet another because they're the awesome. episode, which is just so much better. <laughs> yeah, it, this, this and this is the uh, last Airbender stuff, by the way, because this is very similar to um, what am I thinking of? It, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Serpent's Pass, mm-hmm. from where they're trying to lead the uh, refugees. Oh, interesting. Okay, into the city and try, because they can't get through the normal way. Um, not not literally, not in terms of the details of that plot, but it just kind of you know the the concepts and the uh, the dynamics at play with our main characters. It's it it's, it reminds me of, it reminds me of that, but and also like the wandering around and hiding. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's something that Korra's never really had to ha- do. The show that Korra hasn't had to deal with, but yeah, the, now Bolin and Varrick are having to deal with it, and yeah, it's it's so much fun. It is. Se- it's great to, when they get you know they get captured and they have to. Well, even just of... from
0: the just from the beginning, the uh, their interactions where where Varick's trying to get over not having Julie around and trying to make Bolin be his new Julie and it's not working. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really it's enjoyable and it's funny and it's it's enter- it works. I again, I I didn't think that could really be a thing with Bolin being because again, like I said, season two the last time I saw Bolin and Varric really hanging out i did not like it at all so um yeah they've become really interesting varick seems like a good guy i loved his scene where they uh well they have the interaction with the refugees but then they have that awesome scene where um where bolin's fighting the the um the robot you know
1: suit, yeah yeah the max yeah
0: the max and uh and they're all fighting and they're sort of losing although bolin's doing all right um, but then Varric, meanwhile, I was like, "Oh, please go do something that you do." You know what I mean? It was like almost like a Sokka moment. You know that, that's what Sokka would do in that sort of yeah, s- that that's, situation.
1: yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I love like um, Asami,
0: like these characters, and that's I like they're doing that for these non because I'm like, well, what would he do? What you know, and doing the electric thing, I was like, perfect, that's that works, or the electromagnetic pulse
1: or whatever he does mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Yeah, and it was a very cool. It, it was almost. It was almost a comedic beat the way that the fight ends, mm. maybe it's just like the the rhythm of the the robots i did i did chuckle when the robots fell down, just the way that they fell down for some reason <laughs> it made you they quickly toppled and just you know it, it, i don't know it was funny to me anyway it was funny <laughs> but um yeah very a very long another kind of lengthy fight would where but we also see some. You know it's not it's not repetitive like it's the not well, v- and, and the part of that is that are
0: kind of fun to see and and um exactly
1: yeah and well and with that we get kind of new and interesting styles like i love the part where they one of them makes uh, a bunch of ice for the mech to slip on mm-hmm. like that's not something we've seen i don't think in a while right and although it's... i
0: think i think you do see it in uh in the fight in season one towards the finale where they fight a bunch of the equalist mechs, and I think Korra yeah, makes yeah. a big ice slide. Um, but yeah, you know, you see that, and that's really cool. And, and the other thing is, I like mid fight, not conversations, but things that make sense in that context. So um, because if you're just having a conversation, and no one's attacking you; it seems disingenuous. But when they're when Varick's like, "All right, I knocked out all the mechs. You know, now's our chance to escape." And Bolin's like, "No, we actually have to help these people." I was like, first of all, Bolin did something nice, uh, like genuinely. Altruistic. He's not just trying to save his own skin. He's not. He's really doing something for other people. And then Varric sees that, and you know, is begrudgingly offers to, you know, to or comes back. He doesn't just bolts on his own. Partially because he probably thinks he couldn't stick, you know, do it on his own. But also because you know maybe something's changing inside of him. And it reminded me of older scenes. You're right, like like the Last Airbender, where, you know, um, like uh, the Painted Lady, or one of those episodes where. Katara would be like, "We have to help these people," and Sokka would be like, oh, "Fine." And it's not—it's not because it's not he doesn't want to help them. It's not because he's not nice. It's just because, which is a little different than Varric, but it's just because he's—he's
1: he's like, "We have a schedule. <laughs> we gotta." Like- yeah, he was the—he pra- was always the pragmatic one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Whereas Varric is not as concerned with that as he is with not dying. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And and he's—you know—they're like, "We're finally beyond the border. So why do we need to care about this?" Um, these this random group of people, uh, but uh, Bolin sort of slaps some sense into him.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. Also, uh, fun tiny tiny detail in this scene when Varric is talking at the beginning of it when he's talking to the uh, guard at the gate, and he's talking like I had to fight off two things, and he holds up two fingers and six of this other thing, and he holds up his thumb and his pinky finger, mm. and that's because in in Chinese. The Chinese word for six, like that's the hand symbol that's associated with it. Oh. That's just a... It goes by in, in a split second, but it's like, what? oh, that's
0: yeah. interesting. Yeah, because I they love insert, that kind of thing. They
1: insert Chinese a lot into the series in terms of like what the characters are reading and stuff, but right. they, that's just an aspect of it that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think would be different necessarily, right? Right, but right. It right. Is, but of course it and is, and yeah. when you put it in there, it's like... You might not even notice, but if you do, you're like,
0: "Oh wow!" Exactly, exactly. And and the other thing that's cool is, you know, even when they bow and things like that. And I think I've mentioned that before. But sometimes when they bow, or um, you know, the way they put their hands, it's all like which hand is above which hand and how it's it's all very intentionally done. Um, You know, I mean, again, this is an animated show with a martial arts uh, consultant for the show. Literally, his entire job is to make sure the martial arts are right. Uh, so, of course, they're going to do things like make sure they've got, you know, everything. Why would you do that and not get the cultural things right? It's just the level of attention to detail is amazing. And as I've said in the past, even when you look at the comics and you see the little sides, I really suggest, you know, people go out and look at the big hardcover version of The Surge, The Promise, The Rift. On the sides, you'll see it's like um, it's like director's commentary. And you see Mike DiMartino and Brian Konitsko and uh, Gene Yang talking about, every little detail in every frame about how oh we designed this dress to match this culture i mean we designed these houses to we hadn't really used uh island culture yet um from like the outskirts of japan so we wanted to bring that in and it just you just it's amazing that they do all of this so of course they're going to do something as as small as that because for them it's very important that you get those things right yeah and that's i mean that's always been one of the great things about both these shows oh yeah for sure for sure um so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then we get the last little bit of the uh, the episode, which uh, we hadn't seen Kuvira the whole episode. Um, and we finally get this last little bit, which I didn't see coming, and I should have. And we did talk about it.
1: But yeah, we, we talked about that... We
0: talked about nuking the swamp. Nuking the swamp. <laughs> and
1: this seems more... Not, yeah, in Logical, retrospect, this yeah. seems more obvious.
0: But what we did talk about was that Kavira The reason uh, uh, Korra would have to deal with Kavira is not only because of Zafu, but because she was going to be wrestling with um you know she was going to be upsetting the spirit world and so core would have to deal with that and so this scene makes perfect sense that she's ravaging the spirit wilds for her own game there you go yeah. so um what are the odds on Toph showing up <laughs> you know i hadn't even considered that i i should have because that's where toff is but i am i'm hoping remembrances is an episode, or at least Remembrances or some subsequent episode, is an episode just where Zuko and Toph and Katara all get together to like chill or, or fight <laughs> or do something cool and they're just reminiscing and when they reminisce, we get to reminisce because we know all of the stories and everything as, as viewers, and I would just love that. Um, I'd be a little upset if... And The other thing I'm a little worried about is if Toph comes and deals with it and you know she will because she knows everything going on in the swamp. She's... I'm worried they're going to... They've nerfed they nerfed Zuko for that one scene in the prison breakout uh, with Puli, partially because it's cold, so you sort of buy it. We talked about that last season. Hmm. Um, but he just didn't really do much, and you're like, this is Zuko. I mean, he was never, like, an amazing firebender. He wasn't like Azula, but he was very, very talented and certainly a cut above, like, most other people. And e- even just hand-to-hand combat, he was, a, he was definitely able... Uh, we haven't seen Katara fight at all, as far as I know. So um, I'd love to see them get up. But I, anyway, my concern is that maybe Toph will be nerfed because, of course, she can't beat Kuvira because then there's no, there's no story left. Um, so, yeah, well, I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, hmm. They sort of, they're
0: in a corner where they have to... And this is what happens in video game. Like I'm just think for some reason, the first thing that popped into my mind was... Borderlands? I don't know if you know the game Borderlands. I haven't played it, but I know it. Right, so it has four characters in the first game, and then in Borderlands 2 it's four new characters, and you run into the old characters, but the old characters are all... It's all like, you know, oh, we can't com-, you know complete this mission, so you have to complete it. And so they all basically are, in effect, nerfed from their previous incarnation, where you were playing as those characters. And it's sort of hard to buy that somehow these characters are so much better than those characters. So in other words, here if we see, you know... Toph was able to just decimate like entire armies of people before, so it would make sense as as a child. As a child, so you can imagine. And now she's like she's older and she's not at her prime or whatever she said, but she's still up there clearly. Uh, And she's and she's like you know on the echelon of of great benders, she's at the top. So it would be very disappointing to see her not succeed and then see like Korra or you know Bolin succeed when they're not even they're not even considered to be an amazing amazing benders they're just regular people Korra isn't but you know bolin and and mako are just like average benders so i i would be disappointed if that were the case
1: yeah and i wonder i mean you at this point you seriously can't get away with showing kuvira doing what she's doing and not in some way introducing Toph to the situation oh absolutely Cause we know Toph is there it's not like Toph is not is going to be unaware of it, mm-hmm. you know. Even without the seismic sense, I'm sure those the airships are noticeable. <laughs> yeah, there's a thousand reasons, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so she has great uh, hearing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I just wh- I don't know how you get how you deal with that situation without having Toph just obliterate Kuvira and her entire mm-hmm. army. Well, yeah, exactly, and that would be cool if she just sort of shoots them away from the
0: swamp. Um, but uh, I, I sort of got this impression of, um, you know, I, she reminds me a little bit of Shrek. You know, I hope <laughs> she, tell, she tells them to get out of her swamp. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> that'd be great, right? Uh, no, I, so I think the, the way they handled this in the previous series, if you remember, is they took all these masters who you might imagine what might have had their own series at some point, um, Iro and um, and the Swordmaster and all these other characters, and they had them fight a completely separate battle where they didn't have to be nerfed or anything uh, as the White Lotus while Aang and the rest of them dealt with the Fire Lord, and so you had two things going on at once without anyone feeling like they were getting the short end of the stick, and that was brilliant. I mean, they, they gave everyone something awesome to do. They gave Sokka something to do, and Suki, and they gave... Uh, Zuko something to do in Katara and they gave Aang and then they gave the White Lotus, Is people who you knew were, to, like, masters and were old, by the way, so that's not an excuse for Toph or Zuko <laughs> um, to do something awesome also at the same time, concurrently. So, that's what I'd prefer they do, which is what I'm hoping might happen, that the old gang will get back together and go do some awesome stuff somewhere else. But we'll see. I don't know.
1: I also, maybe, maybe they get away with it because Toph... Uh... Toph was never particularly spiritual, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe we have to wonder like how. Yeah, but she seems to be pretty. Be? No, I well... mean obviously this isn't something she'd be okay with. But I don't. It's not like the, if Ang saw this, he would be. Oh, he'd lose his mind. He would lose. He'd be it. apoplectic. Yeah, no. For but sure, if Toph but... saw this, she wouldn't. You know, she she wouldn't be on that level of rage, but she would. Yeah, but Probably she seems to upset. have an attachment. Yeah. She seems oh, yeah. to She clearly attachment. likes the swamp. She clearly likes the swamp. And she's come
0: to training. understand spiritual and other things over time. It seems like she has more appreciation for it. Um, especially, uh, I happen to finish The Rift, the, uh, the, the comic. Oh, I haven't
1: read the third part yet. Okay, well,
0: it, but you get the idea of the general plot of that. And, and yeah. it does, it certainly implies that she's not, she's not like, oh, I'm going to be spiritual now, but she becomes, she gains more of an appreciation for it. And so I think that, I think there's precedent there, even within canon, that she, before Cora, that she's she would be upset about this. And it's her home, too, at this point. She's like, you know, this is where I live. Uh, and she seems to have an attachment to it, so we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, next week is Remembrances, which is why I think we might see a little bit of uh, the old gang gang back together or something. Uh, maybe Toph fights them, can't beat them, and goes and gets her friends and comes back, or... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. There you go, yeah. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways for it to
1: go, um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk